Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is Rob Manis back with the show live, and we have got an exciting one this week. Again, there's all kinds of things going on. The title of the show is What the Hell is Happening to America's Armed Forces? While China is using its military power to challenge the freedom of Taiwan almost daily and run vast concentration camps attacking religious freedom, we see nothing but silliness coming from senior leaders in America's military. It pains me to do these types of shows because I'm intensely loyal to my brothers and sisters who have served and, and are serving today, some at very senior levels. I know them, but my loyalty to the Constitution drives me to consistently and continuously call this craziness out. Look, folks. When we see senior military leaders use government social media accounts to attack a member of the media like they did Tucker Carlson, run so-called extremism training that drove my own NCO son to call me and tell me that I'm now an extremist under their definition, that accident reports showing multiple Marines died from poor leadership and poor or no training, but the highest levels of the services are focusing on wokeism, like critical race theory. We've got a problem, and it's a really big one. Our military service members have always been trained to ignore their differences and focus on only one thing to achieve success, that being the core value of fighting for each other and trusting their very lives to each other in combat and other high-risk operational missions. The loss of our service members' willingness to trust each other with their lives under stress is key to any future military operational success for America. It will take decades to recover from this loss. If we have the opportunity, we have to fix it now. Hear me now. We find out that we are in a war with China's Communist Party or Russia and most likely, both of them simultaneously, we will likely lose dramatically if the feckless leaders of the military wokeism movement remain in charge for very long. Consider this a sounding of the alarm that defeat is coming if we don't get our act together. It is the non-commissioned officers, the sergeants, that are the backbone of all of our services. And it will be a, the leaders among that group who remain strong in their beliefs with each other that save us from the coming certain disaster. One of the great NCO leaders is with us today to discuss this very issue. Please welcome retired Marine Gunnery Sergeant Jesse Jane Duff back to the Rob Manus Show. Jesse, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for inviting me, Colonel. Well, thank you. I know you're very busy, and uh, I've got a little show, but I've got about a quarter of a million audience, and, and they know that I'm frustrated as a retired uh, military officer at, who's commanded Americans, uh, which is a great honor to get to do that, and as a former NCO myself, that, that what is happening in DOD and the Armed Forces is just, it's crazy. It's crazy. So I wanted to get an enlisted perspective. I've had a couple of colonels and, uh, and senior civilians and those kind of folks on, but I wanted to get somebody like you on to really talk about the, the core issue. And the core issue is when we fight, yes, we fight for our country, 
but when we, when we win and are successful, it's because we have doggedly fought for each other and trusted each other with our lives. Everybody that's ever done this knows that. Everybody. What, is, yeah, what, that, are, you, what are you hearing from the enlisted corps? Well, you know, I think everybody is aghast. Um, you and I have had a lot of conversation over tweets that we have seen that military leaders have sent out that have just made our jaws drop, uh, that the force of readiness is not the focus. One of the side conversations that I've heard about was a staff sergeant in the Marines. Uh, the news was running when they were basically dogging Tucker Carlson for stating the obvious. And uh, essentially, they, the military, CNN, MSNBC, or whomever it was that was on the network, the staff sergeant said, we're not going to listen to this BS and shut it off. So there are those that are just astounded themselves within the ranks. However, let's just be very clear. This has been a long time coming. If anybody thinks that President Trump was just going to gut the military, and you know, and I know from being in the ranks, by the time you've reached four-star general, you've been around quite some time. And then you weren't promoted necessarily under President Trump. Uh, recently, the Space Command general sent out a tweet that both you and I were shaking our heads over a four-star general. So I looked him up very quickly. He had received every every single star under President Obama. So essentially from the period that he picked up his first star to the last star was in that eight year span, which in my opinion is pretty fast. That's not, that's <laughs> a rank every two years is pretty astonishing. I mean, that's unheard of in most ways. I don't know about the general officer ranks, but that seems quick. So it's very, very I, rare to make four stars in such a short period of time. Right. His own track, Wikipedia was, page. Yeah. His own Wikipedia page said that, that his last promotion, I think, was in uh, right before Trump was elected in uh, 2016. His last one is four star. And his first one was the year that Obama was elected, which I think was 09. Anyway, here's what disgusts me so much. Um, the wokeism started when I saw former General uh, General Austin Lloyd, um, who was being confirmed, or Lloyd Austin, I'm sorry, Lloyd Austin. He's got two first names, love it. Uh, Lloyd Austin, uh, <laughs> Lloyd's the last name, right? Or is it Austin Lloyd? Lloyd Austin? Anyway, I digress. Austin's, when he, last name. Austin's the last name. Okay, two first names doesn't help anybody. So Austin, uh, when he was under his confirmation, he basically said, and this is when the red light went on for me, that he was going to make sure that he had uh, approached extremism and flushed it out of the military or words to that effect in his own confirmation hearing. Now, we're not talking about extremism like Nadal Hassan or Sergeant Akbar, who had killed several soldiers in Iraq, or uh, Nadal Hassan, who everybody remembers, had killed, I think, 18, 18 soldiers and injured over 30 uh, in Fort Hood, Texas. He wasn't talking about that type of extremism. What kind of extremism was he talking about? I don't know, because I haven't read the testimony if he actually said white extremism, but that wasn't indicated that white extremism and extremism of all sorts. And here his hearing was strategically right after the June 6th situation that happened at, at the Capitol, which I will not call an insurrection because there were no weapons. The only person who was actually killed there was Ashley Babbitt, who was shot by a police officer inside. Uh, the others had had medical situations that one had died of an overdose, one had had a heart attack. We still don't know how the police officer had died. And then there was one other. So going at this, I was taken aback that he was selectively saying that this is going on in the military. 
And while we knew that the National Guardsmen had to go through some type of preliminary questionnaire to even be yeah. at the inauguration to uh, secure the area, here's what it was saying to the civilian population that knows little or nothing about our world, that we're filled with a bunch of extremists and we're a bunch of radicals and we're a bunch of white extremists and we're a bunch of hillbilly, banjo-picking, you know, gun-toting, snuff-chewing idiots. That's the perception they're trying to portray. You and I served over two decades. You served probably, what, 30 years. I served 20 years. Didn't happen. Since I was on active duty, let me be very clear. The recruiter asks you, are you involved in any types of extremism, such as gang involvement? They look at your tattoos. They want to look at anything. And they run through a litany of questions to ensure that they're not entering somebody into the military. Then once you're in the MEP station, which is the military entrance processing station, they look at all your tattoos. Once you're on active duty, you've got non-commissioned officers, junior officers, everybody around you is watching your behavior. If you should have some radical ideas of some sort, it's gonna get sniffed out. So I wanted to go up to Austin and ask him, Mr. You know, General Austin, what in the world you reached four stars, you're an African-American general, and yet you believe this existed? Well, what did you do in your leadership? What did you do to address it? And why is it now a priority for you after you have been at Raytheon, by the way, which he, according to Business Insider, still has stock options with, yep. worth over $1.5 million, how are you even getting an appointment to be the Secretary of Defense when you literally will profit off of all Raytheon contracts that enable us to perform or go to war? So, yeah, that's a big mouthful there. So he's after the white extremism and Raytheon received what? Over three million in contracts so far since he's well, been in place. Well, Gunny, so, Gunny, have you heard from anybody that's had had Austin's extremism training training? Okay, so the extremism training essentially is upsetting a lot of the non-cons. So non-cons in the Marine Corps are very vocal. Non-cons, yeah. non-commissioned officers, staff non-commissioned officers, people like me, the gunnery sergeants, we often don't go past gunnery sergeant because we do speak our mind. We're probably the most non-political senior ranking position in the military. We really are non-political. You're not gonna see first sergeant if you have a big mouth. I have a big mouth. I didn't wanna see first sergeant. I got out. But while you're on active duty, what I've gathered is that they are talking about all these extremisms, white extremism, uh, radical extremism of sort, but yet they're not addressing the very extremism under their noses that the National Guard has had to show up for to protect its citizens, such as your Antifa riots and the Black Lives Matters riots. Okay, there's a lot of good intentioned people that want to protest. I appreciate protesting, but when it's burning down buildings, causing destruction of property, we still have buildings in Washington, D.C. that have been boarded up because of the summer of love in D.C. that Antifa and Black Lives Matter really ginned up that city. Meanwhile, everybody else is under quarantine. So many of the non-commissioned officers were flat out asking, what about what's going on that we see every single day? You're talking about this ghost thing that obviously is out there, but you're not giving us examples of it being in active duty presence. I mean, I have yet to see, but then again, I'm not researching every court martial out there. How much is this really an issue? So they're making an issue, sending a message to the American public that it's nothing but idiots that join the military. Oh, and by the way, they're all white. That's really what they're sending. 
Well, I, I will tell you, I was a 06 level commander, a wing uh, commander out in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, my last tour, which didn't end until, uh, you know, the end of 2011. So I'm not that far out uh, no, from active duty uh, in the terms of, you know, what's going on in the, in the force. Uh, and, uh, and I had a very robust ground intelligence force with my, I, I had a, about 700 law enforcement and security folks under my command as part of one of my organizations. And, and our ground intelligence, our G2, was really uh, focused on outside the base, but about half of their time had to be spent inside the base because the threat was not from extremists, insider threat was the big threat. But it wasn't from an extremism type insider threat. It was more from somebody disgruntled, uh, not happy with the leadership, not happy with their, you know, what the kind of work they're doing, whatever. Uh, but it wasn't about, it was never about whether it was black, white, Hispanic. Uh, we had, we even had very little gang activity considering Albuquerque is a very large gang population. But as far as the force itself on the base, that's not what we were concerned about. Now, we were concerned most, about the insider that was that was radicalized himself or herself because of the conditions or whatever the issue was. It had nothing to do with race. The majority of people that join, yeah, the majority of people that join the military inherently want to do something better with their lives. Period. And whether it be the motivation of patriotism or enhancing their opportunity for their future, getting out of their town. Everybody has a little bit of a different motivation, but ultimately they still know they're going to be defending that flag. They ultimately know that it is for the love of country. You don't join the military because of a despicable attitude about your fellow American. Why would you join the military where, particularly in the Marine Corps, where every man is a rifleman, and that includes the females too, your life could potentially be on the line. But let's go, let's go on to what the next thing was that infuriated me. You know, needless to say, I'm not quiet. So um, it's been quite a few issues. Right after that was uh, Joe Biden, President Biden. I'm going to be respectful. He's President Biden and making a mockery of the title, I might add. But he is uh, the certified, certified, certifiably elected president. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't mean he won. <laughs> He's certified. The certified yeah. president stood in front of two female generals getting promoted. One, I think one was Air Force and the other, as I recall, was Army. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe one was a four star and the other was a three star. So Lieutenant General and General. And instead of, now maybe I missed this part of his presentation, but the highlighted part that we all saw that got into the headlines was when President Biden decides to go on and talk about maternity flight suits, apparently hair regulations, and nail polish color to encourage women to be able to have longer careers. Now, if that was my promotion to gunnery sergeant, now, naturally, I wouldn't be behind the president of the United States. I would have wanted to chokehold anybody who said that at my promotion. What are you suggesting? That I will be part of a problem of pregnancy and inability to deploy, and I'm more, more concerned about my new hairstyle or my nail polish regulations? Because, goodness, we don't want to re-enlist if we can't have nail polish on. We don't want to re-enlist if we can't have fancy schmancy fancy hairstyles, I would have been so insulted with the implication that these were my priorities because the 
real attitude of most women on active duty, in fact, to their own detriment, in my opinion, is that they didn't want any special treatment. They don't want special hairstyles. They, they'd rather you say no more nail polish regulation versus all of these craziness because the fact of the matter is we are uniform and we are fighting for the same cause. So when Tucker Carlson pointed out that Joe Biden is highlighting these non-essential issues for combat readiness, again, mind you, combat readiness is key. You said it in your opening. He's highlighting why is the president, the commander in chief, focusing on maternity uniforms and hairstyles, nail polish, et cetera, et cetera, versus these women are warriors and they're going to kick your behind if you even think you're going to cross them. I'm sending them to the most aggressive commands out there. They're going to be the first women in the command on these positions. He could have really drummed this up. Instead, he dumbed it down. He made it look like we are now a social services agency trying to hire more women, which is not the purpose of the military. And then he went on to focus on China and talk about how China is trying to ensure that they're masculine enough, that they're buff enough, mean enough, hard charger enough, which used to be the mantra of the military, and has the world's largest navy. He went on to talk about how China is featuring these things to scare their enemies. Psychological warfare is very powerful. But instead, we've got this guy blumbering along who has to have everything wiped down before he even touches it. And he's double masked. And, you know, yes, I'm mocking a lot of this because he's not speaking from a position of strength. Then he couldn't even remember Secretary Austin's name. He couldn't remember. Yeah. Now, granted, I said Austin Lloyd and Lloyd Austin, but hey, I know his name. Couldn't remember the name of the Pentagon and admittedly, admittedly did it on the air. He said that outfit over there. Now, that's how my parents talk. That outfit over there, you know, that outfit over there. That's across the river, the Pentagon. I was aghast. How could you forget? How could you forget the name of the Pentagon? And if you got tongue-tied with the Secretary of Defense, all you had to say was the Secretary of Defense. That's all you had to say. And the man was standing right behind him. So now we've got on social media, all of these quote-unquote leaders coming out. And to my disgust, just like you said in your opening, I went out and attacked military members, which I have never done. And because I've been off of active duty a while, I probably felt the fortitude to do it and say, call it out. Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps. I was astounded. He comes out and he starts talking about his wife and how she was the most exceptional leader that he knows. He, she raised their children. And that for this to be said about our sisters in uniform, I shot back at him and I said, flat out, this had nothing to do with your wife or me. This had everything to do with not presenting our military as a force of readiness and making the focus on maternity uniforms, which, by the way, I've never seen anybody not have access to while we were on active duty. Like they honestly thought they had to come through as heroes and defend their women, which was even more insulting. Sergeant Major of the Army. These are the top two enlisted men. We both saw the Nimrod from the Space Command, the Master Gunnery Sergeant, which is equal to a Sergeant Major in the Marine Corps, come out with his own video and post his periscope or whatever it's called, talking about, I don't even have cable TV, but I think this needs to be addressed, which right there tells me he didn't even see Tucker Carlson's briefing, open-minded, but you know where it all comes back from? The Pentagon, Kirby. Admiral Kirby, retired, who's now the spokesperson for the Pentagon, thought it was appropriate for him to come out aggressively against Dr. Carlson and make a statement. 
from the Pentagon's uh, platform. And all of these knuckleheads decided to come running after, like, here we are, here we are, we, we agree. And it was the yep. Army and the Marine Corps that I saw predominantly do it. So I dare to say, when you've got the military now going after a civilian talk show host, this is like going after Bob Barker. What are you doing? You're going exactly. after a civilian talk show host. What kind of country have we become? Because when you have the military now going actively after people who are posting their opinion on the networks, you've got a problem. Very big problem, Gunny. I mean, it's it's so big that uh, it, 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 it causes me to raise concerns that I never dreamed I would ever be raising. Uh, you know, I mean, to put things in perspective for our viewers, and my, my comments are open, folks. I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, I appreciate your comments. I am putting them on the screen as they come up. Uh, and thank you for participating uh, to all of our folks out there in viewer land. But to put this in perspective, what the gunny described the President of the United States did with these two women who were getting promoted to the four-star level at their ceremony is, is the same thing as if he'd uh, been promoting uh, someone to the chief of staff of the army or a, a male to uh, the U.S. Central Command Command or any other four-star position and get up there and say, well, we fixed, uh, you know, uh, things like uh, we got rid of that silly hat that you have to wear all the time. Uh, so now you, you, you don't have to wear hats and uh, the Chinese are still wearing hats and they're just trying to scare us. That's exactly what the equivalent of that is. I think it'd be like talking about jock straps. Yeah, it'd be like talking about jock straps at yeah. my promotion. <laughs> talking about a maternity uniform is yeah. to me was equivalent to talking about a jock strap for a man. Yeah. What did that have to do with his credibility? He would never have done that with a male. Uh -uh. Uh, so all for all you lefties out there, and I know I have a lot that watch me, and I appreciate that, uh, and you woke people and feminists or whatever you want to call yourselves that think you're pro-women, that was the biggest piece of misogyny I've ever seen come from a president of the United States in the last Thank you. 25 years. Thank Unbelievable. you. Unbelievable. He owes Thank every you. woman in uniform an apology, and he needs to put out a public directive to his uh, retired admiral spokesperson, oh, Mr. Uh, Kirby. I'm not, I don't even want to say the admiral's name because he, he's just infuriating at, because he's the one that pulled his finger out of the dike, so to speak, uh, and, and did it. And then everybody's cascaded down. But, but there are some line folks jumping in on the spray. And, 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 you know, you get outside of the public affairs office. Yeah, okay, I get it. Uh, but they shouldn't have been doing it either. But these line NCOs and general officers and, and senior officers, senior, the sergeant major of the Army, sergeant major of the Marine Corps, the, the, the public affairs officer for the secretary of the Army. I mean, the, the, you know, three the, men. the master three men. sergeant and three MEF. Yeah, I forgot about three MEF and they're a little three MEF colonel, they're so. public and they're three MEF command. And three yeah. MEF for people who don't know what that is, that's Marine Expeditionary Forces. We have one, two, and three. Well, or was it two MEF? It was yeah. one out of Lejeune. The it Marine Corps essentially is divided up into three operational forces, one, two, and three. So a third of the Marine Corps falls under that command. And they must have had some young kid, some woke liberal behind their Twitter account talking about, oh, we have to defend our sisters in arms. And if you haven't served, you don't have an opinion in this. Oh, are we Tammy Duckworth now? 
Tammy Duckworth always shuts everybody up because if you haven't served, you can't talk to me. Excuse me, the American taxpayer pays your tab. We have an opinion on how the defense of our nation should be run. That's nothing to do with who volunteered or who did not volunteer. Everybody has some common sense in this issue. And there were multiple sergeants major in the army that I saw come out. And I went after each and every one of them. I think I might have sent you all of my tweets. Uh, the colonel, that, the, yeah, the lieutenant the colonel, colonel in three men. So the beauty of it was Senator Ted Cruz got wind of it, and he actually did a letter to uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, and it said in the letter, what are your people doing? Because this is against good order and discipline when a military now is essentially going after somebody who is part of the press or a talk show host. What is going on? And he named names in it. And although we all know that nothing will happen, I dare to say that they put a squash on that because when the military no longer has the support of the American people, they are in trouble. And conservatives now are going after the military because you know what, just because you're serving doesn't mean that you're serving for the right reasons. And when you are liberalizing this military so that it's now politicized and we got the space command general talking about how important diversity is as the cornerstone or what was the word he used to our foundation basically of our yeah. success, it was cock, cockamamie poop, whatever the word is I'm looking for. That is garbage. I was on active duty long enough to know I served as a recruiter and diversity in the military has always been a priority. Don't tell me otherwise. We target women. We target minorities. I remember going after the NROTC scholarships, trying to find minority and female candidates. Yeah. I didn't get more points recruiting one or the other because it's not a point system. It's not a quota system. But we want to make sure that all members of our society have the opportunity to volunteer for the military. Again, keyword volunteer. But when you're trying to put it out there like, oh, you're doing something so grand now, when your branch of service is made up of volunteers, you look at what the Army Command put out. What was the United States Army tweet talking about how they are going to ensure that they have this extremist training going? I'm sorry. What, what happened since I was on active duty? What happened? Did the KKK take over? Because when yeah. I was on active duty, when you were on active duty, and even when my father was on active duty in World War II, he was in the first integrated OCS class, officer candidate school, first one. Yeah. So I am sorry. Don't tell me that we are filled with a bunch of extremists because if you are filled with a bunch of leadership uh, uh, extremists, that's a leadership problem. You're going to start lecturing all of these military members as if for the failed leadership that you have exhibited, because it's never been conducive to the morale and discipline of the military to have any form of extremism. And we all know the United States Army turned a blind eye to Nadal Hassan. It's been recorded of his problems. So yeah. when you are talking about diversity, it doesn't mean diversity of thought, people. There's only one way to think, and it's pride, honor, courage, commitment, and overwhelm and destroy the enemy. You're not even supposed to be politically active while you're on, on active duty. So I'm sorry, am I getting on a rant again? No, you're <laughs> you're doing great. As a matter of fact, you know, when those National Guardsmen and women's uh, social media was scanned to see if they were Trump supporters before they would be allowed to secure the Capitol, uh, just the very act of doing that politicized them. Politicized Absolutely. them. It's unconscionable what the leadership of the United States on the, on the elected side, the political side, and the appointed side, and the commission side is doing. Look, I served, as you mentioned, over three decades 
uh, in the military. And uh, as a 17-year-old, I had my first class before I was on my first permanent base more than a week that said, hey, we don't tolerate BS like extremists from the Klan or all that. And, and you see this person here? He, get, he or she gets treated just like you do. And if you don't, then you're out. Uh, yeah. That was 40-something that was years ago. Uh, and, yeah. and I'll be damned if the United States Armed Forces have changed that much since I retired in late 2011, right. nine and years they ago. You and know, they have just have, the, they haven't the only thing the, the only thing that has changed is the liberal agenda infiltrating the military and what they're trying to convince the public because you repeat a lie long enough people will believe it they're trying to convince the american public that this extremism white extremism trump extremism it must be white extremism in their mind trying to convince the american public that we are the enemy of the people that the people that supported the president former president president trump are actually part of the problem, not part of the solution. And they want everybody to believe that this lack of diversity is a problem in society. They want everybody to believe that all of this racism, because the only way the left can win now is by dividing us. And that's how they want, that's how communism won in Vietnam. They basically got the poor, mig uh, the poor farmers, the uneducated to go against those that had wealth. And what did they do? They destroyed all of those that were successful. Your doctors, your attorneys, everybody, they had to flee. The killing fields talks about this, how the doctor was operating, I believe, on his own wife or somebody that he cared for. And the, the communists are coming. He had to flee. You're looking at dividing and making people polarized instead of uniting the way I came up in the military and the way you came up in the military. We had some golden years and I saw a shift happen under President Obama when he started making, putting, inserting himself into every racial equation, starting with Trayvon Martin, right or wrong, whether the guy, I, I don't believe that Trayvon Martin's outcome was fair or reasonable because the kid was shot and killed. But when he says that could have been my son, now it's racial. When he went to Ferguson and had his DOJ go in there and do this investigation, and they basically said, hands up, don't shoot, which turned out to be a, a lie by Adrian Peterson. I still remember the guy's name. It was a flat out lie because the autopsy, autopsy showed when he was shot, he was essentially charging towards the cop. He had gun residue on his hand because he had reached into the police car, as I recall. Look, I'm not saying we don't have racial problems, but when you exploit it, as the left has done, they're vilifying anybody who's a Trump supporter and calling us a racist and extremist. And what can one white person do to defend themselves? If you say, well, I've got black friends, they say, oh, yeah, that's the classic line. Oh, I like black people. Whatever you say, yeah. you're still vilified. Yeah, and that is categorically false. I stand against it. You know, look at what they did to Pierce Morgan for going after Meghan Markle, who of all people is trying to claim racism when she was invited into their home, allowed to marry their son. They gave her the glorious wedding with a black choir yeah. present, for goodness sake. And shame on Oprah Winfrey, who's old enough to know better that this is not what racism looks like. So tragically, I think the military is being used at, to politicize the military. It allows it to become less effective. That's essentially what happens. Because I hate to think of big conspiracy theory, but why is it that Barack Obama, Barack Obama had cut so much funding of the military? What was it? Roughly, it was about $5 billion when they did the sequestration. We were 
Categorically, the Marines and the Army were considered weak in readiness. They were graded by the Heritage Foundation, and they saw the number of brigades that were combat ready, the number of battalions that were combat ready, and they actually evaluated. And you remember from active duty, we had what are called react drills, where your equipment has to go online. You got to be ready in 24 to 40, less than 24 hours to deploy. They saw that we were weak in readiness. And Obama's whole answer was, well, this is sequestration. Yeah, it was across the board cuts. It was President Trump that made sure over $7 billion were pumped into the military. They were winning over the hearts and minds of anybody on active duty. Because the fact is they saw the biggest pay raise they had ever seen in a decade. Uh, They were renewing their equipment. They were ensuring we were the most powerful force. And guess what else? We were ending endless wars. We're not going to be pawns when, oh, I couldn't believe when people like Dan Crenshaw went after the president for withdrawing us out of Syria. I love Dan Crenshaw for all he has sacrificed, but we never had authorization to use military force in Syria. We were using the post 9-11 law that allows an imminent threat to be addressed by going into Syria. What was the imminent threat? ISIS had nothing to do with the Kurds. God bless the Kurds, but we were not there to be mercenaries for the Kurds. When you got Turkey, who is a NATO ally, telling us they're coming in, you got Russia and Syria helping contribute to their civil war, and American forces are stuck there with their rifle in their hand. What are we going to become? Shooting targets? We are not mercenaries. And Trump says, no, enough. We're out. And when I saw these conservatives go after him, I was gravely disappointed because if you wanted authorization to use military force, that goes through Congress. We've been there long enough. Then you've got Liz Cheney running around trying to keep our forces within Afghanistan. My, my question to Liz is, what is your solution? Because I haven't seen any resolution. We had more forces in Washington, D.C. at one point for this inauguration than we had in Kabul, Afghanistan, where we are there to strictly stop the, the Taliban from coming in. I'm sorry, the Taliban's less of a risk than our own inauguration that goes to tell you something is amiss with the Democratic Party when they couldn't even have an open election that they claimed they were so afraid of because they can lock down that inauguration. They sure as heck did with President Trump. Made it very difficult for people to even go in. Yeah, I was was, uh, uh, accosted by, by rioters like 20 deep and had to get escorted into the inaugural area. It's the only inauguration I ever had an invitation to uh, and, uh, uh, and couldn't even get to the viewing area, which was way away from the stands, but they had protesters and stuff all over the place. And if you don't think they, the Democrat party doesn't control them, uh, you got another thing coming, folks. You know, right. uh, what do yeah. you think about the senior civilian that admitted that uh, that they weren't telling the president of the United States, meaning President Trump, after he said, get the troops out of Syria and Iraq, uh, what the real number of troops was, because it was higher and, and higher than what it was when he gave the order. What did you, what it goes did you to show the military industrial complex. Was it President Roosevelt that used that language? It is alive and well. There are people that actually have profited off of us being at war. And when I joined, you know, Thank God I didn't know this when I joined. Had I had I known all I know now, would I have even joined? Because I would have felt that I was being exploited for the purpose of others like Austin, who still has $1.5 million in Raytheon stock. That is very upsetting to me. Now, if he has bested it, if he has a, what is it called uh, when you cash it out? If he has cashed it out, that should have been a headline. And I gathered from when I read a Business Insider, he had not. He had not vested it. 
So when you see that the military industrial complex does want to keep us in some type of hostile situation, it's all you have to do is go follow the money. General Mattis was a phenomenal general. Everybody loved him in Iraq. I think he was very strategic. He was amazing. But when he got into the Pentagon, he brought those left-leaning ties that he had to such as Amazon and Silicon Valley. And when Amazon had a bid for the cloud contract that was a $10 million, or was it $10 billion? Maybe $10 billion. $10 million. Let's say $10 million contract that Microsoft was awarded. Mattis had already left, but Bezos, and apparently there was some little agreement there. There was some little chummy networking going. And when Mattis had already resigned and Bezos didn't win the award and it was uh, Microsoft that got it, Bezos was actually trying to file a formal uh, complaint that Trump had interfered in the contractual process. Now, I've been in the contracting industry for a long time. The president of the United States cannot interfere, and I'll tell you why, because that would be breaking the rules that are in place for no nepotism, no undue influence. That award was given to a smaller cloud services, but as qualified, and Bezos was furious, like his, his pockets aren't you know rich enough, uh, but that was just one example. I was very disappointed in Mattis. I'm not uh, ensuring that we researched further the women fighting in ground combat. The women, the Marine Corps had done a study that was $35 million. And I love my liberal friends. They all say, well, if she can do it, let her. Okay. Every man that joins the Marine Corps has to meet a minimum physical fitness standard. And we're, what is that standard meant for? For combat. Everybody takes it. But the women had combat exemption. That's why we weren't doing pull-ups. That's why we didn't have to run as fast as a man in our three-mile run. But in the deem for equality, many of these women are like, well, why aren't we taking the same physical fitness test? Because it's a fitness test. And how would you grade a 20-year-old female and a 20-year-old male? If you have the exact same standard, you're lowering it for a man and raising it for a woman, or you're basically having a standard where women no longer can perform, women can serve a purpose on active duty in every job. But when it comes to ground combat, fighting hand-to-hand -hand combat, when you're talking about infantry fields, the Marine Corps is the tip of the spear. I'm not going to speak for the Army. They can sometimes camp for months after we've done all the damage. But we have the tip of the spear. We go in with a force of readiness. And you're talking now where you have 45% less muscle mass, 20% less lung capacity on average. So the $35 million study, when we tried to go after President Obama and say, whoa, 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 it was General Dunford, who was the commandant of the Marine Corps that said, I want the combat exemption for our women. And here's why. He did this study and proved it was a lethal mistake. He proved yeah. that women had the integrated units, male, female units, were 60% effective compared to the non-integrated units. They proved that the women had a harder time in shooting accurately and throwing accurately. And I'm not, I'm an expert shooter. I'd be an incredible sniper, by the way. But when you are running, dropping, standing, lifting, your heart rate goes up, your muscles become more tense. They showed that the women have three to 10 times the injury rate of men. So what does that mean? We're being pulled out of a situation that have to be replaced by a man. This isn't readiness. This now is diversity. And I assure you, ISIS doesn't care if you're a woman. The mindset that they're going to run, they don't want to be killed by a woman, is BS. They will try harder to kill us. We are a target, and we don't get to fight on methamphetamine, so we're high as a kite and don't feel any pain. But all you got to do is look at Fallujah. And that was hand-to-hand -hand combat of the soldiers and Marines that were there. Hand-to-hand -hand force, face-to-face uh, -face combat. 
That's equivalent to sticking a female in an MMA fighting cage. The most fit female in MMA should never be fighting with a man in MMA. If we are so equal, then why aren't women in the NFL? Why don't we have a wide receiver that's a female? Because the moment she gets clobbered by that strong safety, the American public would be aghast. Don't tell me about the one woman who can do it because the training is one thing. They get, okay, and we all know that there was some uh, recycling going on with the Ranger School. We know this. We also know it took over 20 women before we could get one female through officer candidate school in the Marine Corps. I'm not officer candidate school, I'll correct myself, infantry officers course. And they did modify the standard where you could carry your buddy's pack and you could help each other. Okay, that's nice. But in combat, the standard is not even relevant. It's about survival. So even the most qualified female comes to here. She meets the male standard. But do you know that the infantry officers are the most coveted position in the Marine Corps? So you're getting the best of the best. So the men are here and the women are always going to never, you're never going to be the same as a man. So this mindset that diversity matters, as the ISIS fighter is putting a knife in your heart, he doesn't care. And we're making fools of ourselves fighting for this. And that's when it started under President Obama. And I'm sorry to say it is now continuing over to today. And what was the sweeping motion that Biden did? Transgenders. President Trump allowed transgenders in the military. And people don't know this, but you had to be in that gender for five years. You're not coming on yeah. active duty and being non-deployable and, and, and having to go get your surgery and, and live as a woman for a year. Because if you're a man, you got to go live as a woman. You're wearing their uniforms. You're going to go to the showers with them. You're going to the field with them. You're doing everything as a woman. I'm sorry. You cannot come on active duty with me pending medical issues other than getting your wisdom teeth pulled, I believe. I mean, there's thousands of reasons you cannot join. So five years you've lived in that gender, you have the doctor's note, I have no issue with you coming on active duty, and you're a great dentist, a doctor, you go in the infantry, whatever you want, because you've proven that this is where you need to be. But if you're experimenting still, you're 18 years old, and you're declaring yourself to be a female, but you're a male, are you going to biologically go to boot camp with the biological females? I'm sorry, no. this is an array of issues. And the military yeah. spent, and under Mattis, they did, this is where Mattis did succeed. He did do a study that showed it was a combat readiness issue because they were non-deployable. Because Mattis was as open-minded as you could get. But sadly, he was for keeping us in Afghanistan. He was for us keeping our boots on the ground. And where did he come from? Guess what company? I believe it was Raytheon. No, no, no. The one after him came from Raytheon. Where was Mattis coming uh, from? He came from another... Northrop Grumman, I believe. He came from another defense contractor. Yeah, so all of these guys. Raytheon too. So uh, I mean, that's a that's a that's a we have we've got to dismantle that trend. You know, Lieutenant General. And Elizabeth Stanley Warren Buckley, went right. after the last one. Elizabeth Warren went after Esper and yeah. talked about this, but she sure gave Lloyd Austin a pass. She was nope. gentle on him, and he says, "My only focus is the morale and warfare of the men and women who serve." Really? Then I need you to get rid of all that stock option before you even go into the Pentagon. Absolutely, all of that should be gone. I mean, you 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 cannot imagine the pressure that that somebody is under at, at that level of position. They don't need that type of, uh, uh, of uh, contradiction in their minds when they're trying to make decisions, even if their intention is good uh, and human nature tells us their intention is not going to be good. And I just want to go back and touch on, on, on the thing about Obama and readiness for a second, Gunny. You know, I was signing 
my final classified operational readiness reports as I left the military. And I can tell you that I, I can't tell you what the score was, but I can tell you that for three years prior to that, I had started submitting uh, for the first time in my career, I had had to start submitting readiness reports that were not at the level that I had served for 20 something years, almost 30 years under, uh, and they weren't higher because you couldn't it's go embarrassing. Uh, it's embarrassing. Exactly. It is embarrassing. They're career renders too, yeah. because guess it, who the fall guy is? The men and women that are in that particular command for not being ready, even though the funding is short. We were not able to get many of our pilots on the Army, Navy, Air Force, um, and Marines trained with flight hours. You know, that was a yeah. critical piece of it. And so essentially we could only fight a war on one front under the Obama years because the cuts had been so severe. So thank goodness Kim Jong-un didn't get a hair up his behind and start bombing Guam because he had the capability to do it. He, he had thrown missiles over Japan. He was taunting. Yeah. And now we look at what's going on in the Ukraine. Here's what really boggles my mind is that President uh, Biden is able to stop funding to the Ukraine. I just read this today, several billion dollars, am I correct? So that, you know, they are now in a position of having to defend themselves with Russia and we aren't even treating our ally respectably. Is yeah. that by chance because they're investigating him and his son, Hunter Biden, after that whole debacle? Isn't that exactly what they tried to impeach Donald Trump for? How is it? Yep. Maybe, I, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm reading one of these wackadoodle sites because I do sometimes fall into those. But I would like to know, is this actually real? Is, is Joe Biden hold, withholding funding from the Ukraine? Because of President Trump, the Ukraine can actually defend itself. He, President Trump made sure that they got the weapons that they needed because Russia's always been interested in that Black Sea hole over there because of the, the freshwater uh the warm water ports of Crimea. Oh, yeah. And they've had absolute influence over that area. And it's been a very hostile zone for some time. But now Biden, one day he's sharp as a tack. I mean, he'll, he, he, fewer than more, most. I'm not gonna sit here and just say Dementia Joe. I'm not trying to be that person. But there's other days that it's bumbling along like the female's promotion, the general's promotion. And you're just wondering, is this part of cognitive decline? Because on some days you can be very lucid and on point. And then other days he's just kind of mishmashing along. And you know Putin's seeing that. He doesn't carry himself as a force to be dealt with, whereas President Trump always did. World leaders, love him or hate him, knew where they stood with President Trump. And he wasn't going to monkey around. But we all know that Joe Biden has his hands in multiple pockets based upon Hunter Biden's laptops. We know it's China. We know the Ukraine. He threatened them. We also know that he has other countries that uh, Hunter Biden is tied to. I, I just don't understand how we've come here in the, our country where we can't expose the truth. How the DOJ could allow a dossier to be gone to a FISA court to surveil an entire presidential campaign under false information. Where, I mean, the country you and I naively thought, I'm gonna go serve. If I knew what I knew now, I don't know that I would have. And I'm so grateful I did because God bless the United States Army, Navy, Marines, uh, every one of us in the Air Force, why wouldn't I wanna serve? But you lose your confidence in this leadership that is abusing it. And that is really tragic. Yeah, I, I have three sons that have served. I have one that's left on active duty, and uh, he's a he's an E5 staff sergeant, NCO level, frontline supervisor. 
uh, and he uh, he called me right after he got out of his extremism training. Uh, he said, "Dad, he said, Dad, you're, Dad an you're, you're an extremist under their definition." I said, "I said, son, what are you talking?" About? And uh, and he said, "Well, they said if you're a person that's willing to die for your cause, uh, that makes you an extremist." And I know that you would die for the Constitution because you you served all those years, so you're an extremist. And he said, "By the way, you're a religious extremist too." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, they said if." If people ha hold strong religious views like being pro-life, that they're extremists, and I, I'm 100% pro-life. I even came out a, a year ago against the death penalty. I'm so pro-life now. Uh, and, uh, uh, and I said, well, you know, you know son, uh, don't report me because they were teaching them, really, that they have to report people. Uh, oh yeah, and it could now. it could tarnish uh, his career. It could tarnish his yeah, career. I would yeah. I would say to any I would just say to anybody on active duty who feels a little disgruntled, just hold your nose down, do your job. I would not sacrifice my career because of Joe Biden. It's your future yeah. that you need to be concerned about. You know what? You got to take it with a grain of salt. It's gonna leaders come and leaders go. Do not end your career because of a disgruntled position of a captain that's over you, a colonel that's over you, a gunnery sergeant that's over you. You know what? You got to be smarter than them. And I didn't learn this till my 20 year mark. I mean, I learned, let them think they're in charge because the only person who controls you is you. Let them think they're in charge, acquiesce and let them feel empowered because pride is a very expensive commodity. And Colin Powell, before he became a liberal, <laughs> had said in his book something to the effect of don't hold on to your ideas so strong or your viewpoint so strong that when it gets thrown out the window, your pride has to go with it. Yeah. And it's very good advice. You know, I wouldn't be a, I wouldn't have retired a gunny if I thought I had to fight every battle. And I served under commanders in chief that I did not necessarily agree with, but I'm so glad that I had the courage to say, don't make a decision for today. That's going to impact my future tomorrow. And getting off of active duty, I would just say to anybody, if you love what it stands for, none of this is going to impact that joy. Find your joy in your job. Find the joy in those you serve with, your airmen, your soldiers, your sailors, and your Marines. Find your joy in that community and walk with that joy and shut out the noise. Focus on your mission. And I think this is truly, truly important because we need you. We need you. We need those that love this country enough that despite the uh, dementia in chief, I'm sorry, the commander in chief, did I slip? Despite that, yeah, despite that, we need you. And you don't want to sell short your retirement because is it easy? No, but nothing in life is easy. God did not promise you an easy path, but with God, you will survive all of it. And getting out here is not that dang fun. And figuring out what to wear every day can get very confusing. Trust me. I mean, uh, I there's so much out of that camaraderie that you don't want to lose. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that, Gunny. Uh, having to pick clothes to wear is extremely <laughs> challenging after having to, being able to wear the same thing every day all of your entire life. It's only fun <laughs> for a little while, and then you're like, I, I would add, yeah, I would add to the troops out there, you know, anybody that's watching that, uh, uh, look, you know, you, you have choices you can make. Uh, it is, uh, I know a lot of people that are going ahead and retiring because they're eligible. I know some people that are at the end of their first enlistment and they're making a decision to go do something else because they just don't like the, 
to, to be told that they have to, uh, you know, be against their fellow Americans just as extremists because they're, they voted for somebody that the powers that be didn't like and those kind of things. But the bottom line is continue to keep your camaraderie with your colleagues and your brothers and sisters in arms because you know whether you stay in get out or whatever if you ever get in a situation you need to have the confidence in them i'm not talking about the officers or the woke people and all that i'm talking about your brothers and sisters in arms that you know building and i would just I would, I would also just say, you know, as Alanis Morissette said, it's a jagged little pill. Don't let this extremist training bother you. Go with the flow. So I was an equal, for full disclosure, I went through DOMI, which is the Defense Equal Opportunity Management Institute, an Air Force-run school down in Cocoa Beach, Florida. And uh, I was an equal opportunity advisor under a three-star general, Lieutenant General Labuti, in Marfor Pack, Marine Forces Pacific, Hawaii. It was a three-year tour. And that's where I also learned about the critical race theory. However, it wasn't called that back then, but they did teach us about white privilege. They did teach us about how racism evolved. I will say a good part of that school was very beneficial to me. It made me appreciate the positions of others, how people have an interpretation of things. It made me understand. It doesn't mean I believe their perspective, but it helped me understand their perspective. It helped me understand where affirmative action came from, whether you agree with it or not. It's very good to be educated on the very issues that we're talking about right now. And parts of that school disgusted me. And I remember a soldier, he was probably E6 or E7, he, he might have been a staff sergeant in the army, and he was African-American and he got disgusted in the school because he probably was really tired of the victimization attitude, just that presentation of you know white privilege versus non-privilege. And here for the last 15 years, most of us had been in, we were senior net staff and non-commissioned officers, mm-hmm. have been taught light green, dark green, that's about as far as we got. you know. We had all been taught nothing is going to stop you but yourself. And then the school comes along and contradicts all that. He quit the school. He left. And I remember not liking the school for uh, several reasons. One, I got uh, myself in trouble uh, at a picnic. I made a comment like Marines do. And uh, somebody was saying we needed to keep the party down. And I made a comment of they can kiss my big white rear end. I didn't say rear end though. I used a three letter word. And I thought I was funny. We're in a racial diversity school, so kiss my big white rear end, so to speak. Holy crap, you would have thought I was gonna get thrown out of that school. I got called all the way up up from the top on down and had to show remorse and regret for this sarcasm that I was demonstrating that everybody had laughed at. But the lady I said it to turned it into a racial thing because she was really taking the school that seriously. Long story short, I got through the school. I did very well in the school. And I went to one of the highest operational commands in the Marine Corps. I was able to teach the infantry unit sexual harassment classes. And let me tell you how beneficial that was for them and me. Because I knew that I didn't have to be the person coming out there in her cute little uniform talking about you guys are bad. You know how I taught that class? I taught it on the perspective of a man. I told them that the, one of the most recent allegations of sexual harassment in the Marine Corps were two, two Marine Corps officers, captains at Quantico and a civilian female who continually walked into their offices and would sit on their laps. 
I said, now, why wouldn't a man complain about sexual harassment? And one of the infantry men, I never forget this, it happened in every class, would yell out, because we like it. And I would say, but that's not sexual harassment. What is sexual harassment? Has to meet the criteria of three things, unwanted, sexual in nature, and creates a hostile or intimidated work environment. It's unwanted, it's sexual harassment. So I would say to them, from a perspective of a man, you guys go through it too, but you often feel that you can't report it because you're a man. I said, and I would deliberately wear my Charlie uniform, which was the skirt and the little blouse. And I would walk out there in high heels because, you know, they saw me as part of the problem, not part of the solution. Yeah, but I would exactly. flip the script and I have my gunnery sergeant rank on. And I said, if one of you had a private first class who came to you and said, hey, Gunny Duff is making me come over to her quarters tonight to work on her laptop. And they all start chuckling because I know I look like a blonde bombshell up there. I mean, but I'm yep. getting in their head. And, and I said, what are you going to say to him? And they all yell, go for it. <laughs> and I said, and now you have just made that Marine feel like he can't report it. And now you've made that Marine feel like it's his problem, that he's part of the problem. And why doesn't he just go with the flow and laugh it off? I said, that's sexual harassment. Then I would go to say, the bulk of people, yes, probably are women that experience it, but it's usually your lowest ranking member of your command. Sometimes the member of your command who is not the best at what they do. I didn't get sexually harassed on active duty. The one time it kind of sort of happened was an equal rank and I wouldn't call it sexual harassment. And I basically crushed the guy. I carried myself in a way where I wasn't a victim, but it, I often saw the women that it happened to sometimes were a little too flirty, maybe were not the best performer, sometimes came to work late, and they became an easy target. And why is that? Because nobody would believe them if they already weren't the best Marine. They were the one that was sometimes late to work, and they would say, oh, she's just saying that because she doesn't want to do her job. That happened all, that's how it works. The other yeah. problem for some of these women is that they tolerate the humor. I would teach all my female Marines, don't try to smoke and joke with these guys. Because I'm going to tell you right now, when you act like a man, they're going to treat you like a man. And then in six months, when it crosses the line, you're going to have a hard time reeling it back in. Nobody's going to believe you, and they're going to say that you participated in all the jokes. That's how I would teach the sexual harassment class. And then I would teach them the three things that make it sexual harassment, unwanted, hostile work environment, and sexual in nature. And after the class, these guys would go crazy because it was like, finally, somebody understood not all guys are jerks, right? So I could take a, a situation like that, where as an equal opportunity advisor, where they already saw me as the problem, and turn it into a positive experience that could benefit everybody. And I will, I remember when they first came out with sexual harassment training after Tailhook. Oh my gosh, I was the most uncomfortable in that class because they made you feel like you're the problem. Like, well, you just got the women out of the military. We wouldn't have to deal with this. So, yeah, so I'm just exactly. saying, diversity has never been an issue with the military. They have been very aggressive about recruiting. And when back to our space commander putting out his inclusion and diversity tweet, you know what it makes it look like? The last 20, 30, 40 years, the military has made no attempt to bring in a diverse population. And that is an insult to all of those that have joined to serve this country. African Americans per capita of all minority groups serve this highest in the United States Army. Latinos per capita 
served the highest in the United States Marine Corps. And why is that? I say it's because of the machismo. It's macho to be a Marine. And Native Americans of all races serve the highest per capita in the military because the warrior status among Native Americans is considered very honorable. And we have a legacy of the Navajo code talkers and the code talkers that the army had. So back to what you're saying is that it's tragic. They're trying to repaint history. They're trying to rewrite our military history and they're trying to make us look like a bunch of wackadoodles. And we're not, we're loving Americans of all races, creeds, colors, and genders. And we want the best for this nation. So if you're on active duty, I would just say, turn, suck up the training and keep moving because this too shall pass. It will pass. It will pass. And uh, keep in mind, your fellow Americans are not your enemy. Uh, we, and we, we need you. The, the gunny the gun pointed out something that reminded, gave me a memory of my last command. Two of my last three sexual assault cases were women on men. Uh, and I believe it. I don't think a lot of people realize that that's not an uncommon issue, at least in the air. Oh, culture. I believe it. And I would cover that with the infantry. Yeah. I would tell the infantry, I say, you want to know why women get away with it more than men? Because they're not used to being told no. They think they're a gift. I said, you all can relate when you go to the club, you're 21 years old, finally, and you got your jupe cologne on and they're all laughing at that. Saying you can't wait to go to ask a lady to dance. And you go ask her to dance and she says, no. And you're thinking, wow, you guys learn rejection at a very young age. Some of you handle it better than others, I will say. But women have been taught that something must be wrong with a guy that rejects them, that they are a gift, that every man wants what they are bringing to the table, so to speak. And I'm not talking about marriage. Right. I'm talking about something else. So I think that women can be overly aggressive. Don't understand no means no, because the society has painted it that men are all the aggressors. So when it comes to sexual harassment, honestly, it's not men attacking women. It's not women attacking men. It's a human element that goes on and it has to be approached that way with good leadership that all all people need to respect their boundaries. And I would always say, don't go out and get drunk with your coworkers. It's just the dumbest thing you can do on active duty because you can't escape what you did that night before when you go back to work. You must separate yourself. The best thing that happened to me was I was given a basic housing allowance when I was 19 years old and I got off that base and I was motor transport. I was in a field of all men dominated by men. The mm -hmm. best thing, I went to work and I went home. I wasn't hanging around the barracks. I wasn't trying to be Miss Popular. I was, and that's sad for a lot of young girls. They're not used to all the attention, but that does not help you. There's a right path. And then there's a path that can lead you to the wrong destination. Uh, yep. Sounds like you took the right path, Gunny. How do folks find you on social media? Well, uh, so I'm at Jesse Jane Duff on Twitter at J-E-S-S-I-E-J-A-N-E-D-U-F-F -S -S -E -E -F -F as in Frank Frank. And then I have the same handle for uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram, but I'm very active, as you know, on Twitter. I, and I love retweeting people. I, I haven't had a, very many original thoughts lately. I notice everybody else is better than I am. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that's, and you can always find my website. My website is also very, very unique uh jessejaneduff.com <laughs> <So laughs> well thank you i'm not that original uh that's great you know hey i retweet more than i more than i tweet because everybody else is smarter than me and faster than me too. there's some <laughs> good stuff 
There is yeah, some really great. good, smart stuff out there. There's a lot of great people in this world. And uh, I know people think Twitter is a cesspool, but but I get a lot out of it. Uh, and I, I, learn, I learn something every day, especially from people that are a lot younger than me. And I Absolutely. do appreciate you coming on and giving the, the senior NCOs uh, perspective on these issues because we are, we are in trouble when it comes to this. Uh, and, but the key is, the glue is, and the backbone is the non-commissioned officer of the U.S. Armed Forces. Thank you so much for coming with us today. Thank you. I appreciate being here. Thank you for inviting me, Colonel. We'll Have a great day. Thanks, Gunny. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, retired U.S. Marine Corps Gunnery Sergeant Jesse Jane Duff. It was a great show, and we definitely appreciate her spending the time and coming on with us. Uh, and until next week, when we'll be talking about foreign policy under the Biden administration and energy policy under the Biden administration with our next guest, which will be uh, an assistant secretary of energy from previous administrations. So we look forward to that. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your comments. I hope you saw that uh, I was putting them up on the screen because uh, your engagement uh, is important to us because we want you to get something out of these shows. And uh, I'm just thrilled to have the opportunity to have guests like uh, Gunnery Sergeant Duff on board and to bring you this type of high quality information. So until next week, I'm Rob Manus.